Episode 35 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Owls. Really? Team, welcome along to episode, I think it's 35, I better have a quick check here, 35 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Um, my name is Bevan James Isles and uh, it's, I always find it interesting with this show, well, how do I start the show? If you're a new listener, you may not even know what it's about and this show is really around about the idea of exercise has a lot to do with the mental behaviours that you have and over the years of doing this show I've really tried to develop content that helps you figure out what those behaviours are so that you can then apply those tools and strategies in your own life so it's pretty much what fitness behaviour is about. This month's show is um, a show that is very dear and near to my heart. It's a topic that um, when I think about my own evolution I've definitely wasn't very good at in my early life and have become a lot better at as I've as I've evolved and grown as a person. And it's a show, it's a topic that um, the people in my life who have had the biggest influence on me have taught me. And it's a topic that I really think is an important aspect for, for everybody out there. And so um, I really hope you guys get a lot from today's show. It's, it's, I have to admit, I've already recorded it. Um, I've kind of pre-recorded it before I do the intro. And I have to admit, at times I struggle with how to put it all together. And so I hope that it has come together as, as a piece of content that makes sense and helps you gain the understanding. And, and I suppose probably better to reflect on yourself to be able to, to move forward with the lesson from it. So um, I think I'll just pretty much get straight into the show this month. It's going to be, I'm going to be doing a couple of emails at the end, but other than that, let's, let's get some music on and uh, let's get into the show. Here we go. In late 2008, we, we witnessed a pretty historical event in, you know, in US history, but probably in world history really. And it was a very interesting time um, even as a New Zealander watching American politics. At that time, we, you know, America had seemed to have gone through a very interesting period under President Bush. And, uh, you know, there was seemed to be a lot of discontentment around, you know, the politics in America at that time. And at that time, Barack Obama kind of came into the fold in the elections leading up to the 2008 elections. And it was a really fascinating time to watch this presence, this person who just seemed to be such an amazing communicator and, and how he seemed to capture the the consciousness, the thought and and uh, the energy of a nation and, and, and let's be honest, the world. You know, I think a lot of people can remember, you know, that election and uh, you know, it was funny being a New Zealander from the outside because, you know, he didn't actually win by a dominant you know, kind of force, and uh, I remember at the time thinking, why would John McCain even be in this race, but, it, you know, I don't know much about America and the politi- political side of things, but it was just really fascinating to watch the power that one man could possess in spreading a message, and it was, one thing that Barack did really, really well was his public speaking ability, he seemed to be able to get up in front of a crowd 
And when he spoke, you listened to every word. You know, you, you every word he spoke, you, you you were attentive to and you'd listen to and you just, you'd, his words would ooze out of his mouth and you wanted to hear more of it. I think the term was the audacity of hope was the words that he used. And it was, uh, it was a fascinating time. And then we saw when he won the election, the celebrations and, you know, like he got the Nobel Peace Prize within, I think, the first six months and, you know, purely because I think he kind of sold a message and it wasn't really based on any evidence of work that he had done. And if we think back to the message he sold, he was great at selling that message. One of the things that that Barack had at that time was he had credibility. You know, he, he, he seemed to, you know, the American political system, at least from a New Zealand perspective, seems to be a bit broken right now. And it seemed as though at that time, Barack represented a change that needed to happen within that system. And because he was such a brilliant speaker, people 100% believed that he was the person to make that change happen. He won the election... And, uh, and, you know, it's been really interesting watching his career from the outside, you know, over the last maybe six years or something since, since that election, that um, it's been really interesting watching how he hasn't really affected the change that he promised. Now, don't, don't write me emails about politics because, again, I'm a New Zealander looking in from the outside looking in, but, you know, a lot of the things that it seemed as though he represented changing hasn't seemed to happen in the time he's had in office. And it may not be his problem, may not be his fault, it may be the system, it may not be. But one thing that became really clear in his first term as president was that he started to lose that credibility. And there's a great podcast I listened to called Common Sense by a guy called Dan Carlin. Dan Carlin, I, I believe, is the best podcaster out there. Um, he's got a, a podcast called Hardcore History, which I, I highly recommend that everybody listen to it. It's, it's brilliant, and he really has set the standard for podcasting. And then he's got a political podcast, which um, I really enjoy as well, which is called Common Sense. And, and Common Sense and um, Common Sense with Dan Carlin. Before the last election, he he did this podcast on a speech that was really, really important to Barack's campaign. But the interesting thing about the talk that Dan Carlin talked about was that it wasn't Barack's speech that helped him in moving towards winning the campaign. It was Bill Clinton's speech. And in this in this kind of talk, Dan Carlin talked about, and I loved. I, maybe I'll put a link to this show that, that Dan Carlin talks about this speech because it was a really fascinating kind of insight into public speaking. And he talked about how Bill Clinton has the ability to kind of speak the truth of the moment. And in this speech, Bill Clinton was able to get up and really help Barack Obama because he was able to really identify the downfalls of Barack's opponents in the arguments they were putting forward in kind of a kind of a don't we all know, let's have a bit of a laugh at them kind of way. And that Bill Clinton had the ability to do that, whereas Barack Obama didn't have the ability to do that. And the reason Barack Obama didn't have the ability to do this anymore was that Barack Obama's speech ability came down from the fact that it always started from the fact that he had credibility. That when we think back to 2008, when Barack Obama had taught, you 100% believed that what he was saying, he would then go into an office and implement. 
But four years down the piece, when we looked at his political career as a president, he actually hadn't really delivered on a lot of those promises. So now that when he got up and spoke, he no longer had that same level of presence. He no longer had that same level of belief. He no longer had the credibility that made him successful the first time around. You know, we look at the the great speakers of all time. If you look at like a Martin Luther King, when Martin Luther King spoke, you believed him and then his actions followed up and there's always credibility. Great speakers, well, there's different types of speakers, but speakers like Barack Obama, they have their credibility. And once they lose that credibility, they are no longer as effective. And if we think back to 2008, where he had an amazing amount of credibility, the whole world jumped on board. Whereas it came around to 2012, I think the last election was, 2012, suddenly when he got up and spoke, it was a totally different experience because he didn't have credibility. You may be wondering, what am I doing talking about politics? What is, you know, Bevan, the fitness guy, doing talking about politics? Today's show, is, it's, it's not really about politics, fortunately, because it's always a delicate subject. Today's show is really around personal credibility, around the credibility that you have in your life to your external and to your internal world. And the reason I wanted to start with the Barack Obama story was to really show the difference between what happens when someone has some credibility and when they don't. And I, and I want to leave that there because I think it just kind of, I, I don't want to kind of go into the political side of things, I want to kind of shift and really, if I'm going to talk about anything today, and if we think about personal credibility, I want to think about how often you are dishonest. How often are you dishonest to yourself? And how often are you dishonest to your world? And what are the implications of you being dishonest to yourself and to your world? And how does that restrict you in being what you ultimately want to be in this life? I thought I'd just start with a story or an experience I had a few years ago. A few years ago, it was around Christmas, New Year's time, and uh, me and a few of my mates went camping. There's about five of us, and four boys and one girl, and, and, and seriously, it was probably one of the best camping trips of my life. We're all single, and uh, we just, you know, sat around, played cards, played guitars, and we just were having a really great time. It would definitely go down as one of the best kind of holidays of my life, where it was just a good bunch of friends sitting around. And we're all, you know, like it is interesting when you look at your friends in life. Your friends in life often represent kind of you. You know, they all earn a similar wage. They all have kind of similar interests. You know, your values sit, you know, there might be slight differences, but they really are similar to where you sit. And it's um, it's a good thing to think about, actually, is, you know, if you look at your friends, what does it reflect about yourself? But we, um, on New Year's Eve, we, we managed to hear, I, we, we knew some girl, I'm not quite, to be honest, I'm not quite sure how we get from where we were to where we got, but we, there was some girl we knew, no, that's it, I knew a personal trainer who was having a party, and he was, he said, come along to this party, and so we went to this party, and the party was amazing, we were in this most beautiful location, like it was seriously in a mansion in a place in New Zealand that was absolutely phenomenal, that was, uh, the beachfront was, you pretty much, you're on a mansion on a beachfront. And the party wasn't a huge party, it was probably around 20, maybe 30 people max there, it was kind of my five friends and you know maybe 15 other people, it wasn't a big group of people. Um, but 
you know, if, we, if I go back to that whole idea of, you know, your friends kind of represent what you are in this world, these people at these parties in some ways were of higher levels than us. And, and not personality-wise, not personality traits, but if we think just about the wealth side of it, there are a much wealthier group of people to be hanging around with than what we were ourselves. And um, it was, you know, they were lovely people, nothing, you know, nothing, they, it wasn't that because they were wealthy they were bad people or anything. They were actually really cool people and we had a really awesome night with them. It was perfect, it was a great night. What was really interesting later on in the night, later on the night, you know, everyone was getting a little bit drunk and stuff and everyone was having a good time and later on the night, one of my friends who is a really good friend of mine, we were just sitting around and there was a couple of girls that, we were kind of, you know, we wanted to impress, let's not, let's not deny it. We were trying to impress these girls and we're sitting around and we're just talking about stuff. And we started talking about investing. And when you're, when you're dealing with people who are quite wealthy, you, I don't know, you've got to kind of assume that they have, maybe they have some idea on investing. And my friend um, at that time started talking about investing and he started to represent himself in a way which, I kind of knew wasn't true. He started to represent himself and uh, making out he had a lot more money than he had and making out that um, that he was something that he wasn't. And in some ways I can understand why he was doing this. So he was trying to fit in to a group of people that maybe made him feel insecure or made him feel that he wasn't good enough or who knows, but he went to a place where he didn't represent himself in a way that was honest. Now, he didn't go OTT and he wasn't hurting anybody and and actually no one probably would have ever found out if he was a good investor or not. And, you know, at the end of the day, there was probably no harm done to anybody out in that party um, for him to be a little bit dishonest about his representation of where he sits financially. And you can understand in some ways why he went to that place, you know, and, you know, he's surrounded by people who are strong in an area that he maybe doesn't feel as strong as, and he wants to represent himself in that group um, in a way that, you know, maybe makes him feel more accepted. What is the cost of that place? What is the cost of him deciding to represent himself in a way that actually isn't 100% true? And that's really what I want to dig into today. What is the cost of you losing your personal credibility in the hope of gaining something that maybe isn't true to you right now? And how does that hold you back? Now, I know I've talked about my friend, but I know in my past, I, I used to live in a place where my life was lacking credibility. And one of my most most amazing compliments I've ever got, actually, as I kind of progressed to the place where I am now was... I remember years ago, a hairdresser said to me, my hairdresser, she said, the thing about you, Bev, is whatever you say you're going to do, you end up doing. And really, that's what we want to be working towards, is that sense of personal credibility. That place where whatever you represent yourself in life, you actually are. So I suppose the first question is, is why, do we, why do we lie? Or why do we represent ourselves in ways that aren't true to others? I think that, I think the first thing that we really need to think about is that often we want to gain a level of respect or we want to climb ladders to to show that we're on a ladder higher on the rung than what we actually are. And, you know, it, it, 
fortunately, well, one of the things is, is that we, when we lie or when we represent ourselves in ways that aren't true, it's almost like an easy option to, to seem as though you're at the next level. You know, like if you are going to be dishonest around your wealth, there's, you know, it represents to other people that you aren't at that level, that you are at that level, I should say. And it, you can see why that's tempting. You can see why if I'm around a group of people and I want to, to impress them, if I smudge the truth or if I exaggerate or if I lie, that they may see me in a light which puts me in, you know, in a better light for them. And while there is probably some benefit to that, you've got to wonder what is the cost. What is the cost that when you know that you aren't actually the thing that you're representing to to others, how does that hold you back? Some some things that I've kind of I've kind of written a list of kind of things talking points to um to think about as I kind of talk through today's show, and, and I think one thing that we the the first thing that we really lose is we lose the opportunity for us to see where our growth is. One of the most important steps in in growth and you developing yourself is that you need to know exactly where you are on your path right now. And um, if you, you know, let's say I want to lose some weight and these are the habits I have around weight right now. Well, if you know that that's where my start point is, then I can develop a really good plan moving forward. But if you've been dishonest to other people around where you are, then there's two things that may happen. First of all, your self-perception may be wrong, and so your your starting point for growth may be wrong. But the other thing that happens is you may not want to look like you're the step back to where you really are. Let me explain that a little bit more. I'm not sure if I really nailed that. If you're being dishonest, let's say I represent myself as... You know, I'm a guy, let's say I'm a bit dishonest about how fast I run a race. So I say I'm a a 40-minute 10K runner. And actually, I'm a 45. And whenever I go out training with people, I say, oh, yeah, no, back, you know, I've been a bit injured. Or, you know, I come up with excuses for why I'm not there right now. But I've, you know, but in the past, oh, yeah, I could easily know 40 minutes. And actually, that's a lie. I'm being dishonest. I'm exaggerating because I want to look a little bit better in their eyes. Now, the problem is that if I'm going to be then moving forward from that moment, I don't want to look weak in front of those people. So every time that I you know, try to get better or every time I go in front of those people, I have to come up with an excuse for why I aren't performing at what I have represented that I could be. And because I can never perform at the numbers that I've, I've represented that I could in the past, I may even end up moving away from that group because I think to myself, well, you know, they don't, you know, they think that I'm not performing, so maybe I'll move away from them because I'm a bit of a fraud and I don't want them to see that I'm a fraud. But actually, your growth will come by hanging around that group, by being around people who are, you know, that environment stuff I often talk about. That's that's an example of where if I'm being dishonest around what I am, I'm actually holding myself back. The interesting thing about that situation is that you often see through people like that. You know, when you think about people in your life who have, you know, you, you kind of just know they're, they're a bit full of crap or they are lacking that personal credibility, that often people end up starting to shut off to you because they kind of learn that you aren't that honest. And on the flip side of that, like what I find really fascinating is if you've just been honest about, you know what, I'm a 45-minute 10K, I don't think people are going to reject you. That that we don't actually need to represent ourselves in ways that are lies. 
we don't actually need to represent ourselves in something that we're not. That A, most people are just thinking about themselves most of the time. And B, people will believe, you know, people want the honest truth. And so, and, they, and they'll accept it. Like, how often would you reject someone just because they're not that fast? People wouldn't. People people don't. Well, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some people do, but I don't think I don't think people really are that concerned if you run a 45 or a 40 minute run. You know, they 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 they're more worried about themselves and they want to help you progress. But the unfortunate thing is, is that by you deciding to lie about what you are you're actually starting to lose some self-respect within yourself. You're starting to represent yourself in a way that's not true, in a way that actually hurts you. Because if you learn that by being dishonest you can get more credibility, but in doing that you lose some self-respect at the same time because deep down you know you aren't of the level that you need to represent yourself. A, when the opportunities come to present, represent yourself in those areas, you're going to suppress yourself because you don't want to get seen. B, you are, will hold yourself back from new opportunities as well because, again, you don't want to get seen. And that's one of the things around personal credibility that's really important. So, so I suppose the question I have for you is, where are you dishonest about yourself? Where do you exaggerate? lie, represent yourself in ways that aren't true and how is that holding you back? How is that limiting you to the growth that you maybe feel you need in your life? One of the things about lying is that it often doesn't make us face the consequences of the place we are. But then when we get to the moment when we are tested in that area, we fail miserably because we've lied ourselves to that point. A great example I know in this one is that I had a friend who's I was talking to about their child and their study habits, and their child basically would lie to them all the time around how much homework they had to do and exams they had to do. And, and it was really frustrating for the parent because it kind of came down to the kid's honesty and the kid would make out that they didn't have much homework and the parent would go to the school teachers and stuff and, you know, to find out how much, but the communication was tough and they just felt it was really frustrating because the kid would often lie about what was needed to be done and the kid made out like they were doing fine in the class and they were, you know, doing all the, the homework that was required. Now, the kid had figured out a method of a way to represent themselves in a way that wasn't true. They represented themselves that they were doing okay and that they were passing and doing the work that was required, but it was a lie and they were being dishonest and they were not representing themselves in a way that was true. Now, because of the situation, the parent really didn't, you know, really didn't know if it was true or not and they doubted their child. They did not trust them in it, but there was not much that they could do to really see the situation for what it was. The child failed. The child failed that year. They failed their exams. They failed, you know, they did not pass. And an example of when, because they lied, they were able to delay the consequences of that lie. But when they had to confront the moment, they failed miserably because they'd built a life around a lie. If they had been honest around what they had to do, the parent would have made them obviously do more work and do the work, and they may have to face the consequences of their honesty right now. So, okay, honestly, I have to do homework tonight. I don't want to. I want to be on Facebook. But because of I've been honest to my parent, they're going to make me do it. So there's a consequence to that honesty 
but then the benefit of that consequence is they they'd be more successful in the future and that's one of the things about being dishonest about yourself is that you don't have to face your consequences when you lie to your friends around how much you eat or if your partner asks you if you've eaten too much today and you be dishonest sure you know that they might believe you but you're actually you're not facing the consequences of your bad behavior you know, like I, you know, I often talk about for me, my, my weakness is coke, and uh, and you know, occasionally I'll go through these kind of coke binges. And one thing I make sure of in that moment is that I don't try to hide it from Joe. Like I know, I know, you know, there's much. I often talk about this, there's much worse crimes I could commit, and of all the crimes I have in my life, that's pretty one of the worst. And so, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be going to alcoholics anonymous anytime soon but it's definitely the thing that I can go OTT on and I'm hard on myself about and one thing I make sure of at that moment is that I don't hide it from Joe and sometimes I'll go to the place where I'll, I'll end up drinking blood in three or five you know up to five liters of coke in a day now admittedly that's pretty rare and I have to admit I'm embarrassed by my behavior I'm embarrassed by the fact that I've drunk that much Coke and I don't want Joe to know because Joe knows Coke's my weakness. And I'm Joe's not judgmental of me. She's not going to beat me up because I'm drinking Coke. But I know I'm letting myself down. And in that moment, it's easy for me to try to hide the Coke and it's easy for me to just, you know, make out like I haven't had much of it because I'm kind of ashamed of my behaviour. But in that moment, I also make that commitment to myself that I'm going to be honest about my weakness to, to Joe. And why is that important? Because it's important because it makes me confront what I'm doing. Whereas I could hide it from Joe and not have to confront it. And that's that, that's going to hurt me. Because then what will happen is I've started to build this, this lies and this reputation or this, I'm starting to lose respect with myself because what I'm doing is I'm being dishonest around what I am to this world, which then I start to lose respect so I don't feel so good about myself and then I want to drink more Coke. And, you know, we can think about this with the food analogy. I'm not sure a lot of people listening to this right now probably hide some of their eating from their partners. And they'd be dishonest about it which makes them not face the consequence. Problem is, by not facing the consequence in the now and being dishonest about it, you put on 10kg and then when you have to face the consequence, you're in a place where you really don't like. The child failing that, that exam, they hated that moment. Imagine opening your exam paper and say you failed everything. And you look at that moment and you can see how all the lies you built to that moment made you get to that place. But the problem is, is maybe once you get to that place, that's how you see yourself as someone who lacks credibility. That that's how you work as a person from that moment forward. And unless you're willing to confront the fact that, you know what, the reason I failed or the reason I'm 10 kgs over the weight or the reason, you know, I'm losing my teeth because I drank too much coke is, although I haven't lost my teeth, but is because I haven't been honest to myself or to the people who held me responsible in my life. There's a cost. There's a huge cost. One of the things that I, I always think about when when we think about the external, you know, with the internal battle we have with being dishonest about what we are, but also when we're dishonest to others, we're not giving them a chance to make choices themselves that are based on what you really are. And the classic example of this is the relationship one. And, and with relationships, it's really interesting, isn't it? Relationships... 
you know, there's, there's that Chris Rock. Chris Rock, I love, I love watching comedians, and I love, I love, admittedly, I love crass comedians. I love people who push the edge. I really find them fascinating, and I, and I really enjoy that kind of comedy. And uh, Chris Rock, I wouldn't say is that extreme, but he's got a great piece where he talks about um, when you're single, how you're a sales rep. That when I'm single, I'm a sales rep, and I, you know, I, you know, I, I put, I put myself forward as something that I'm actually not. And you see it with people, don't you? You see it when people are single, how they almost represent themselves in ways that aren't true. And it makes sense because they want to capture something that they may feel is above the standard that they have right now. So they, you know, they represent themselves. Oh yeah, I do a lot of exercise and I, you know, I've got this wealth and I'm, and I'm, they have these philosophies and, and these are the habits I have and the hobbies I have. And, and really, if you look at the evidence in their life, you know, they haven't really done that hobby in a long time. Uh, you know, they don't really walk down long beaches at night. You know, they, they, they don't, you know, they don't represent themselves in a way that's true, but they want to capture that person who they think that would appeal to. The problem is, is that you're not being fair to the person that you're representing yourself to because you're not actually giving them the honest truth about what you are. And so they are making a choice based on something that's not really true. And when we start to, to live a life where we don't have any personal credibility, where we don't, where we are deceiving others, and, and you may think it's okay to deceive a little bit. So, you know, oh, I'll just deceive a little bit here and a little bit here. And, and I know you're probably not doing it for malicious reasons. You're doing it because you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to look after yourself. You know, you're trying to do the best for you. But that comes at a cost. Because the cost is that, A, you don't represent yourself true to them, so that they don't actually get to make a fair choice. They don't get to make a choice based on what's real. And so then when they actually really get to see the inner life that you really have, not the one that you, the sales rep that Chris Rock would talk about in his comedy shows, not the, here's what I want to be and here's what I represent to the world. It's the real you. And when they start to see the real version of you, they know you deceived so, A, you don't give them a fair choice, and B, you actually lose credibility with them as well. They'll see through the things that were a lie. And then suddenly, you've lost an edge with them. It's Barack Obama, isn't it? Barack Obama said he was going to be this thing that was going to create massive change in a system that was broken. When he got in there, he was unable to do that. So now when he talks, you're a little bit more sceptical. And that's what you do when you represent yourself in ways that aren't true to other people in your life. There's a cost, and it's a big cost. It's a cost that actually hurts you, doesn't help you. So I suppose the, the next thing we need to move on is, is, is how do you move away from that life of deception where you are trying to represent yourself to a higher level, to a place that is where you gain personal credibility. And if we go back to my 10K analogy, it's really interesting. You gain more respect when you are just honest about what you are than trying to represent yourself to a higher level because people actually believe that what you say is true. You gain more credibility then. You know, I think back to my mentors in my life, the people who have had the biggest influence on me, and there's probably about five people who really, really represent 
you know, when I've spent time with them, my I, I've had to explore myself because they've made me a better version of myself. And the one thing they all gave me, and, and some people were quite conscious in giving it to me and some people weren't, it was just because they represented this thing themselves, was honesty about what they are. They were, they were honest about their strengths and their weaknesses. They held nothing back. They didn't, they didn't try to make out they were something they were not. They revealed sides of themselves that were honest and brave to, you know, their weaknesses, being brave to do it. You know, I know, you know, like if, if, if we think back to this show and when I did the show where I talked about my sexual problems, you know, I got so many emails, like an unfold amount of feedback from that show around the fact that I was honest with my weakness. I actually gained credibility from my audience, from you guys, because I was willing to go to a place around honesty. And actually, you don't need to say that I am something I'm not. You just need to work towards a place where you're representing what you really are. And what I find really fascinating, because, you know, like I, I, I think of my own journey again, where when I was younger, I was, my life was a lie. Everything about me was a lie. Everything I did was a lie. Everything I represented I was to the world was, it really was. Like, you know, like I made out I was better at everything I did. And, and actually it was pretty clear, if you know, for anyone looking in, that I was weak in, in every area. I was fooling nobody and I was hurting myself. But as I learned these lessons from my mentors and I understood that actually personal credibility, that what I say and, and represent myself at as is actually what I am in this world, I started to gain respect, I started to gain self-esteem and, and that personal credibility that I talked about. But actually what I found was a deeper level of connection with the people around me. That when I was able to just be what I wanted, you know, just be honestly what I am, I, people opened up their honest side to me. I really believe this. This is one of the most important lessons I have in life is that the more honest about your strengths and weaknesses you are to others, the more they feel free to open up about what they are to you. And by doing that, you allow them to explore, you know, the real version of themselves where they can face their consequences and to me that's one of the best benefits of being honest is, is the, the deeper level of understanding you have of your friends and your, the people in your life so I suppose uh, you know if we kind of recap to where we are in this moment in the show really it's it's a lot about do you sit in a place where you have personal credibility where you represent yourself in that way I've just talked about where what I say and represent myself as, as is actually what I am that I'm not trying to cheat myself to a higher level when there is a cost, a cost to myself, to my relationship, to the external factors in my life. Now, I'm sure some people listening to this right now probably are seeing their, their dishonesty. And, um, and I think it's important not to beat yourself up. You know, I think this is a really common human trait. And to be honest, I, I, you know, we all struggle with this stuff at times. It's, you know, sometimes it's easy to get an easy option. But if, we, if you do represent or if you do recognize that you are in this place yourself, what, what's the way out of it? What's the way that's going to help you move towards a place where you can be 100% sitting in a place of personal credibility? And I think there's a few things that you know, I've, I've kind of written down on my list in front of me here right now. And, and I think the first one is, is 
to figure out where you are being dishonest first, to figure out where you are looking for that that next level on the ladder that you don't actually repre- that you don't actually have. And, and to really, really see where you are on that ladder. So if I go back to the 10K analogy, you know, I'm representing I'm a 40-minute 40 40 runner. I'm actually only a 45-minute runner. And accept it. It's okay to be a 45-minute minute runner. It's okay for me to be in this place. And I think that's the first part of you moving forward towards personal credibility is the sense of, Knowing where you really are in all the areas you sit. Know where you are. And then start to find ways where you can represent that to others. Look, you know, start to become aware of those moments where in the past you may have exaggerated because you thought there was a benefit, but maybe you can see there's a cost. And see how you've represented yourself in the past and maybe have a trigger in your mind so when you see those moments come up in the future, you'll now decide that actually I want to, I'm going to represent myself for what I am right now. You'll still look for growth. You'll still, you know, if you're at that 45 minutes, you still want to get down to 40. But you don't have to lie about the fact that you're at 40 and you can work towards that growth. You know, if we think back to that sales, um, sales. You know, you're, when you're single, you're a salesperson of yourself, and I, and I often think that really that's that's a really good place to think about where you tr- try to grow. Like, if you were to be single right now, and a lot of people probably are single and so aren't, but let's say you meet someone who you're trying to impress right now. When you think about the sales rep that you're going to put forward to them, that's actually probably what you want to be aiming for in life. You know, if you, if, you know, if you represent, you know, you say, I really into exercise and I like to be creative and I like to, you know, have challenges and you don't have that in your life right now, that's actually probably a good representation of where you should chase your growth. But the first point is, is to not be dishonest around what you are. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny. I was just, as I was talking there, you think about in that situation, like I remember years ago. And this is a really good example of being honest. I, I had a new manager, and the manager rang me up, and uh, they they kind of said to me, "Okay, well, here, you know, and, you know, new manager change. No one likes change, and you're a bit insecure about your position, the role, and you know, and you're kind of all the rest of it." And the manager rings me up, and they said, "You know, they kind of talked about here's what we here's where we see your role being. You know, what do you want to do? And and in that moment, you know, what do we all do? We want to put our best foot forward." It's that job application. We again, who hasn't lied on a job application? And so we want to put our best foot forward. But it, it, for me, at this stage in my life, honesty had already become a really strong value. And and I and I remember saying to the manager, you know, you know, here's what I bring. You know, I I love doing these things here. But to be honest, if you give me these things here, I'm going to be really bad at them. I don't like them. I'm not very good at them. And and to be honest, you're much better off to put someone else there. And the manager said to me, wow, you're the first person who kind of represented, or didn't use these words, but I was the first person who represented themselves in a way that showed my weakness. Now, do you think that hurt me? Or do you think that gained credibility with my manager? Well, I know the manager told me that, that by me being honest about my weaknesses, I gained credibility because I was able to help them make better choices around how to use me. And that's what you're going to gain as you move towards your personal credibility. So I suppose if, if, if I'm going to wrap things up here, spend some time thinking about where you represent yourself in ways that aren't 
actually true? Is it really worth you being that way? Are people really going to reject you if you were to be honest around what you are? And what's the cost of you doing that? What pressure? What does that what pressure does it put on you? What loss of respect does that give you? How does it make you have to be more deceitful to hide the lies that you've already created? And then once you've figured that out, is then how do you figure out where you are right now? And how do you represent yourself as that right now and, and try to grow from that moment forward? The benefits are huge. You'll feel when you have personal credibility, there's a trust, there's a belief. You know, I kind of believe you, I haven't even thought about that, but if we think about the belief, when you're lying to yourself all the time, you're not going to believe you can do things. Belief comes from evidence of, of, of doing stuff. Belief comes, I believe I can run 40 minutes because I've ran 41 and I'm close to 40. It doesn't come from, oh, I've been deceitful. And when you've been deceitful, you're, you're losing your ability to believe and respect in yourself. But then you get the gains, you get that respect, you get that credibility. You have a high level understanding of self. You have a high level of connection with the people in your life. They look at you with respect. Imagine if Barack Obama had delivered. Imagine if you know he had changed the political system in America in a way that was empowering to everybody. When he stood up now, you would believe him. He would still have the credibility. Think about the people in your life like that. Think about the people who you know when they say something, it means something. It's true. It's authentic because it's 100% true from who they are as a person. Do you want to be that person? And if you were that person, would you be being a better version of yourself? I know this show hasn't been so much about fitness, but I think there's a lot of, the, lot of fitness stuff in there. I think a lot of people probably exaggerate the exercise they do, exaggerate around food or be, you know, hide things because they're embarrassed. But if you can avoid hiding, you can confront, you can plan and you can change. When I write my values, I have love, I have freedom, I have, you know, these kind of fun, health, you know, I have these values that really I try to sit on top of in this world. And the one that I'm most challenged by, but I'm most rewarded by, is honesty. Honesty allows you to be what you want to be in this world. If there's anything worth working towards in your life, it's about trying to figure out how to be 100% honest about what you are at all times. Right, team, that's pretty much this month's show. I, I hope you got something from that. I'm kind of, uh, it is definitely a subject that's dear and, and near to my heart. It's definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's just something I think is really important in life and uh, hopefully made you think and hopefully you got something from that. Um, I, I, I'm going to chuck in a couple of emails here and i got an email here from a lady called Victoria and she's just going to say she's just recently found the show and she's really loving it, which is great. Um, she's just got a question around being a morning person. Now, this is a really interesting question. It sounds ridiculous and I it should be so simple to go to bed at a decent time and get up early. I try and try and have failed 
will sleep past my alarm and then the day starts like a hot mess instead of a goal-setting day I planned the night before. I like to get up early to exercise and get ready before work without rushing and being able to ease into the day instead of jumping out of bed in a panic because I am late. Any advice that would help me here? Now, she, 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 it's, it's really funny this morning person thing, and, and I'm going to be really upfront here. I'm no expert on the subject, so I'm just going to give my opinion. But I think the first thing, Victoria, is is I think maybe you want to work to your strengths. And maybe your strengths aren't the morning. And, uh, and, and I often think that when we think about how do we strategize our day, um, we've got to work around what works for us. And if we look at your situation, it sounds like, when the alarm goes off in the morning, you're always going to be that kind of groggy get out of bed person. And then though you may have great intentions, who knows, you may, it just may not be your time. Now, it's, I only say this because it sounds like you've tried. Now, you could try, go, you know, if we just think basic strategies, you could try to go to bed earlier and find strategies that get you to sleep earlier. So for me, I know if I'm going to get up and do some reading in the morning because I want to educate myself, I need to go to bed at 9.30 and I need to read my book because I know I'll fall asleep pretty quickly. If I don't want to read, you know, I'll stay up to 10 and, you know, I may spend a bit of time on the net and then I'll put a pick up my book at 10. So it may be that about going to bed a little bit earlier, but actually it may be a little bit easier on yourself and trying to find different strategies for you to put those things in place. So you're saying, okay, well, you know, I, I have the intention of waking up in the morning and reading my goals and, and all the rest of it, but the alarm goes off and I fail. Well, maybe what you do instead is go, okay, well, the first thing I'm going to do is when I get to work is I'm going to read through my goals then. I'll grab my cup of coffee and before I even start working, I sit down, I just spend five minutes reflecting on my day then. That's going to work really well for me. Because I know I'm not a morning exerciser, I'm going to head to the gym at lunchtime. I don't want to go after work because I'm busy after work, but at the gym's the time I can do it. And really what you're thinking are is, is not trying to change your weakness, is trying to work towards your strengths. You may decide that actually at night time you might do some goal reflection before you go to bed, which can contemplates the next day because you know you like to stay up late. You know, sometimes we don't need to change the wheel of what we are. We just need to understand how our wheel works. And, and I think maybe just because it sounds like you have tried, Victoria, I think that maybe that's a better strategy for you is to sit down and to really think about, okay, well, if, okay, I understand think about some goals in my day is an important thing to do. What time of day is the best chance of me getting that in? Okay, I want to exercise. I know, you know, I know I want to do it in the morning, but it never happens. Okay, what's the best time in a day where I'm going to have the highest chance of doing that? And then don't just even think about time of day. Think about, okay, and what's the best environment that will make me want to go there? Okay, I know my friends go for a walk at lunchtime at work. Okay, and, and they love it. I'm going to get a part of that because that's a more enjoyable way of doing it. Work to your strengths. Think about your own strategies and, and develop that from there. Hopefully that helps. <laughs> I kind of didn't really answer your question because I don't know, you know, try to go to bed earlier, but I, I don't know, maybe this is another way around it. I just got one more email I'll quickly kind of talk about here. I got an email just about last month's show. I got heaps of feedback about the Carol DeWeek um, interview, and I think she really helped a lot of people kind of see how they approach things and really kind of 
think about how they can work through that. And, and Carol had such a great message, and I'm glad you guys really enjoyed it. I got a great message here from Kirst Haywood. She's just a great interview. Listen to it while going for a run. One thing I have to add to that is if you've ever gone through some kind of physical trauma, sometimes being told that you can't do something is the greatest motivator. You need to prove everyone wrong. I was pretty in a pretty horrific accident when I was 16, and all the doctors told me I'd probably never run again, never walk properly, and a long list of you'll nevers. But I've learned in life that it's only ever one person's opinion, and if I want something badly enough, I can have it. It might take a bit more effort than it does others, but you can still get there in the end. And there are plenty of people worse off than me that have made me do it, or have made it too. It really is all about your mindset. So she kind of, you know, obviously Kirst has been through a pretty tough experience and it was just really interesting. Kirst obviously has a great growth mindset and it's a real example of of, of that in place. So well done, Kirst. Anyway, guys, that's pretty much this month's show. Next month I'm actually going to do a, a, um, a kind of a wrap-up show. I think when around episode 12, I kind of did a wrap-up show of the shows up to that point. And, and one thing that can often happen with this show is that you kind of get this today's show. And so I imagine after today's show, if, if this today's show hit a note with you, you'll be thinking about honesty a lot for the next kind of moment in your life. And um, and there's real value in kind of just thinking about one area. But it's also a good idea sometimes to actually think about the different strategies and think about trying to implement them at the same time. And I think that's what I'm going to do in next month's show, is I'm going to do a bit of a wrap-up of you know, the last period of time of shows and think about how we can use the lessons and put them all into one. And I know I haven't done a workbook in a long, long time. So I think what I will do is I'll actually put together a big workbook that will help you kind of work through those lessons and create a bit of a plan from that moment forward. So that's going to be coming out probably just before Christmas. So I look forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a funny moment in my life right now. I have uh, had a knee injury for the last Oh, probably six to eight months. It's been, I've got patella tendonitis, which is kind of like a slight tear in my t- t- um, patella tendon. It's it's not a major problem. I don't need to have an operation, which is good, but I do need time off. And so I pretty much have to take probably six to eight weeks off exercise. Now I'll be able to do a little bit of upper body work, but I'm going to have to pretty much rest my lower body for eight weeks, which is I don't think I've had eight weeks of exercise in the last 15 years. So it's going to be an interesting time for me I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it's a good opportunity to do some some songwriting and to do some business work and, you know, to create some good content. So um, you'll, you'll, you'll be here me in a month from now where I'm kind of halfway through this month of no exercise and um, hopefully I'm not kind of struggling to get through it. Uh, I will also say I've, I've, um, I'm kind of in the final moments of signing with a publisher for my book. So um, that's really, really exciting news and I um Really, if it goes ahead, we'll be thinking about October next year. So it'll be a while away before it happens. But it's really exciting to think that publishers out there would be interested in publishing my work. So that's really exciting. And other than that, not much happening. So I'll I'll leave you guys for now. I'll see you before Christmas. Just um, one thing, I just probably lastly... I've started a new Facebook page because on my Facebook page, I can only have 5,000 friends because it's a personal page, which they limit you to 5,000 people. So I thought I'd start a fan page. And like I know fan page sounds stupid, but I started a fan page. So if, and I'm going to do a lot more kind of, I don't really spend much time on Facebook now, but I'm going to spend a bit more time on my fan page. So if you want to just kind of keep up to date with what I'm doing and kind of see what's happening in my world and you are on Facebook, 
go to uh, look up Bevan James Isles and you'll see there's a fan page. Or actually, go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and you just can like my page on there. And it'd be great if you could do that just because, I don't know, it's a way of keeping in touch with me. Anywho, um, you guys have a wonderful month, and I will be seeing you guys real soon. Thanks for your time, guys. See ya.